0: Welcome to The Arts vs. The Virus, a limited series podcast where we interview members of the arts world to find out how the coronavirus pandemic and associated lockdowns have affected them and their work. The podcast is presented by magician Ash Price and produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment.
1: Hello, and welcome to our next episode today. I am having a conversation with Kenny Boyle, who is an actor. Kenny, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm kind of getting through its uh, long days of, of the current lockdown and uh,
2: trying to find things to, to keep the old brain working having completed Netflix and uh, and every other streaming service.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's just nothing left on Prime or Netflix anymore. I've just, I've just got Disney Plus, actually, because
2: um, I got well, a free trial.
1: That- yeah, I got a free trial through my Xbox. I was like, I'll give this a go and there's loads of old retro kind of 1930s cartoons i really love those kind of old cartoons so me and my wife teresa were kind of just watching a load of them one night and there's some some modern stuff by pixar little shorts that the creators were like, there's a wonderful one about um, um, a gay chap who's scared to come out to his parents and in the end the dog kind of reveals it all and it's it's really adorable Um, oh my goodness i haven't haven't seen that one that sounds pretty cool i will i'll i'll find out what the title is and i'll send it to you it's genuinely a lovely little little short it's about 10 minutes long amazing Uh, so so kenny
2: just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you ordinarily do okay so i am uh, an actor and playwright i uh, trained at the royal conservatoire of scotland i generally work um, across Scotland um, in either of those capacities either as a, a writer or a playwright uh, sorry as an actor or a playwright uh, and also I run a merger mystery company called Can You Catch the Killer that tours the whole of Scotland as well so acting playwriting and uh, all in Scotland. Excellent um, and yeah I've, I've
1: seen the the uh, Can You Catch the the Killer the, the adverts occasionally will pop up on Facebook and um, of course, mutual friend, Des, who, who we actually met through. It does look really good fun. Um, and we're looking for an opportunity to, to kind of actually give it a go ourselves. Um, yeah, maybe well, we're looking
2: asking. for an opportunity to, to perform again. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So I have a few questions to kind of just kind of go through and just kind of talk about how COVID and the lockdown situation has been affecting you and what you've been able to do, what you've not been able to do and how we kind of see things going. So i uh, just kind of kick off. Uh, if we go back to kind of February, March 2020, before Boris Johnson said, right, we're going to lockdown, before the WHO announced uh, this is pandemic, um, which, fun fact, they did on my birthday, <laughs> um, which was nice. Um, odd choice of present. But yeah, back before that all kind of kicked off, what, what was in your diary then? What were you kind of going, right, well, in March, I'm doing this, in April, I'm doing this. What were you kind of looking at and just working towards doing?
2: gosh so um we just wrapped on uh, the feature film that i'm in that came out in december this year that could fortunately because it was in post-production it could still get finished and be brought out in 2020 so i had about a hundred murder mystery gigs booked in all of which are now either cancelled or postponed um i uh the panto i was going to be in in 2020 um the producer of that cancelled uh, the, the whole panto in february Oh, wow. and I was like, well, what's happening? Why, did, why have you cancelled it? And she said, well, there's this virus and it's going to come over here and no pantos are going to go ahead. And I thought, you are crazy. That's ridiculous. I've never heard such nonsense. And she said, no, I'm telling you, there won't be any pantos in 2020. Uh, and I laughed at her. And now... Well, she probably feels very smug about the whole thing. So <laughs> she, she'd already cancelled uh, the panto that was going to be happening in Dumfries. And uh, as such, I had additions lined up for other pantos. Um, uh, I can't even remember where they were now, but I had various additions that I was going to do for various pantos. And um, yeah, so mostly that was it. There's uh, 100 Murder Mystery gigs and uh, a bunch of panto editions were on the cards before, before everything suddenly stopped.
1: Yes, cancelling the panto that early in the day, because obviously a lot of places and a lot of organisations were, were kind of right up until November still thinking something could go ahead. And I, I don't think anyone, or at least I'm sure lots of people actually did realise it was going to be as long as it was. But I'm sure a lot of people, myself included, didn't think it was going to last as long as it did. Um, how long, kind of when this did all actually kick off and Johnson says we're in lockdown, how long were you kind of thinking it would
2: last for? I, so f- I remember very clearly, I was having a conversation with uh, a friend of mine and he was talking about the fringe. And uh, and I said to him, oh, we won't, we won't be doing the fringe. And he said, why? When do you think, when do you think everything's going to be back to normal? And I, I decided to just pick a, a date arbitrarily. So I, I thought this would finish on the 17th of August at half past two <laughs> um, <laughs> at a very specific time when I thought everything would be fine. We'd all go back to normal. I don't think anyone predicted that. A year after the fact, which is essentially where we're almost at now, that we'd still be no closer. Well, I suppose the vaccine now exists, mm. but it still it still feels as though we're we're not we're not the end isn't in sight. You know, we don't we can't see the finish line yet. So, um, yeah, I never thought it would go on this long.
1: Yeah, I think I I remember quite distinctly discussing in fringe forums. Whether or not the fringe would go ahead, and there was there were a few people around about May time saying, "Well, it's absolutely not going to happen." If it may in April time, it was fairly early on, and they're like, "Oh, it's not going to happen." And there was a lot of people, very very confident, myself included, that oh, something would probably happen. And I, I kind of I I had accepted by this stage that it wasn't going to be the full scale fringe. But I was still under the mindset of, well, I'm sure something can happen. I'm sure there'll be something going ahead. And, and ultimately, we had some digital shows. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people were, were thinking it would be over a lot sooner than it would be, right, than, it, than it actually has been. Uh, and I think, certainly if we go back to March, I, I remember not, I mean, I'm not always as up to date with the news as I maybe should be. And I, I had kind of heard a little bit about this virus, but I hadn't really understood the full implications of it, um, even up until kind of early mid March. I think March twelfth, when they announced the pandemic, was when I started to really realise something was happening. Um, but did did you see much kind of in the build up to it? You mentioned that the the panto was cancelled fairly early on, which was um, that was quite good foresight actually, uh, considering. But did you see anything else? Was there anything else kind of around just kind of people muttering and muttering and
2: not nothing that I took seriously? So um, my my panto producer uh is, and I, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, a little bit of a conspiracy theorist in general. Um, so when when she said like, well, this panto won't happen because of this virus, I thought, well, this is this is on brand for her. Uh and uh, it's probably not true. Um But then it turned out to be true. But even when I heard it from her, uh, there wasn't a single part of me that thought it was accurate. I didn't think that the virus would uh, come over to Scotland. I didn't think it would make it here. Um, It's just naive of me, given that, you know, I've played Pandemic and I've played Plague Incorporated. You know, I've played these games. I know that viruses travel, um, but I I just didn't think it would happen. Um, And no, other than that, I... I didn't really see anything that made me worry until suddenly it seemed like it was upon us and we should have been worrying about it a month ago you know
1: yeah i i I very much agree it's i think up until the lockdown restrictions kind of came in i think the week or so before that i'd been doing a few gigs in fact one of the final gigs i did was in a, a room where the capacity is comfortably 30. And I think we had sixty people squeezed in there, um, and you know it's something that had happened before, and it wasn't anything I really gave any thought to. But then, kind of looking back on it, that's a terrifying <laughs> setup. It. It's like, but where's the, where's the air going? Where's there's people so close together, and you, you, it's it hadn't really been until the lockdown itself really in that you know, I realized just how severe it was. I mean, I think a lot of people had tried to just kind of carry on, very much like yourself, thinking, oh, it wouldn't be that. Big of a deal, and a nurse friend of mine. I think I mentioned this in in another one of the the interviews. A nurse friend um, had kind of said at the time, "Oh, you know, we've seen pandemic situations like this before with kind of SARS one and Ebola," and she didn't think it would be anything major to worry about either. She was like, "Be careful and take it seriously, but I don't think it'll be a big issue." And then, you know, she's recently posted up saying, "Well, this aged well," <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I, I think even people in the medical world were kind of be careful take it seriously but not everyone in that area as well were was kind of thinking it would be what it would be and i mean obviously a few people were and we should have listened to them instead of going you're overreacting Yeah.
2: And I think the information uh, that we were that we were given was so muddled because I remember near near the start of all this, I heard on BBC Radio Four of all places a, a guy presented as an expert saying um, about the masks that uh, it's fine to just wear it over your mouth. You don't need to wear it over your nose as long as it's covering your mouth. I went back to my wife Claire and and I said like I've just heard the thing saying you don't have to wear it over your nose and she was like That's, that doesn't make any sense though if you think mm. about it. So I went I went and did. Uh, research as everyone on the internet does. And uh, <laughs> <I suppose laughs> tried a good YouTube to make... video. Yeah, yeah. A few good YouTube videos, yeah. And tried and tried to find, you know, some legitimate sources. Uh and and you know now obviously we, we all know that if you don't wear your mask your mask over your nose, then you might as well not be wearing it at all because the droplets come from your nose and your mouth. But at the time there was all this conflicting information and um it was hard. It was hard to know what you could and what you couldn't do. And now it's a lot clearer, but people are people are belligerently not listening to information and deliberately disobeying um, guidelines.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think it's something kind of important that's always worth
2: kind of mentioning
1: that, and, I, and we chatted about this briefly before we started recording that we are kind of we are sick of of lockdown and what's happening, and I think everybody is, and I think it's important to kind of remind. The anti-lockdown side that actually no just because we support the lockdown for the scientifically supported reasons doesn't mean we like it doesn't mean we want it um i don't want to be in lockdown i don't like being in lockdown it's having an impact on on many people's mental and physical health and obviously people like us in the arts it's all but brought our work to a stop and yes. you know nobody wants that and so obviously we want this to be be as quickly resolved as possible and it does look like we are heading towards resolution point um with the vaccines being rolled out and hopefully that is the start at least at the start of the end um and i guess we are still we're now in second or third lockdown I, i don't know what you'd call it we haven't really ever been out of lockdown we've just been in reduced lockdowns really yeah um what do you think you would be doing roundabout now what if this had not occurred if this had not been a thing, or if it had finished on August the 17th at <laughs> 2.30. What do, you, what do you expect you would probably be doing about now?
2: February would be everything kicking, out, uh, starting up again. Um, in February, we'd be, we'd be taking gigs again. We'd be starting going out to In Mysteries. Um, I'd be looking for other, other acting work and other sort of gigs like that. Um, January is usually very quiet we'd probably have spent most of January just chilling out, uh, relaxing and getting over Panto. But February would be when we'd usually be really picking up again. You know, we'd have Valentine's Day gigs and stuff like that planned out. Um I and usually there still isn't a lot of theatrical shows happening in February, but there'd be plenty of there'd be plenty of murder mystery gig work happening just now. I think this time last year, um we had something on pretty much every day throughout the start of February because Valentine's Day is such a, such a big deal. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of weird to be sitting about in the house instead and not out um, traveling around Scotland. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that we're not because obviously that would be a terrible idea, um, but, uh, but it's strange, it's strange to adapt that. And it was even stranger at Halloween and at Christmas because those are our very busy times. And it's so yeah. weird to not do anything for Halloween. Oh gosh,
1: yes. Um... With the Edinburgh Horror Festival, I'm so pleased we were able to do something digital. Um, so we were yeah. at least able to do something. Of course, you you put something in with that as well. Um, the lovely little shorts, uh, and it was it was nice to do something, but it just felt so weird um, yeah. because obviously, although we've done filmed based work as well, a lot of what we do is very audience facing, mm. and it's it's very interactive and. It's it's so very, very different doing that digitally. Um, what have you been able to do during lockdown, either in person or digitally, or has there been much you've been able to do? Can you could tell
2: us about that? So I'm very lucky and uh I've come out of this a lot better than a lot of other creatives, and I have a sort of almost like survivor's guilt about it. Uh, I uh I got Creative Scotland funding. Um there is a project called An Isolated Incident uh that is coming out um every single week throughout the whole of february and march which is uh short stories written by me and performed by actors from around scotland uh, that are being premiered and backed by creative scotland so we're all getting paid equity pay which is really nice and it's actually a massive lifeline for for myself and for the creatives that are working Mm -hmm. on it um i'm in Lockery festival Theatre's winter words sorry winter ensemble um So I'm working for Lockery Festival Theatre as well and doing some digital stuff for them, which is really, really good and really lucky again. And their Gaiety are an incredibly supportive theatre and they've been supportive of me throughout basically my whole career since I graduated and also um, one of my close friends, Karen Barkey. So they've, they've commissioned things and paid us to do digital work for the Gaiety as well so whilst it's been hard for me and it has been so hard like there's been times when i worried that i wouldn't be able to pay the mortgage i try not to complain too much because there's people that have had it so so much worse and i've actually been really lucky so i'm still working which is nice and it also makes conversations easier when you meet people in the street when you're walking the dog and they say so are you able to work and you're like yeah actually don't, <laughs> don't worry about me um it's different but it's continuing and that's nice but i'm also very aware of the fact that i'm privileged in that regard. and i need to think about the creatives who don't have this luck and these opportunities because all of these things happens either by chance or because of pre-existing relationships and i need to be aware of that privilege yeah
1: um, I yeah i th- i think the stuff that i've been able to do um i think has been a result of existing relationships with people um i'm I'm currently doing some video editing work for some people that I've I've worked with previously. And so that's been a really, really useful thing and um a couple of little performancey things around. But uh yeah, it's and again, I appreciate that I've been quite lucky um in that regard and you know, nowhere near what I would usually be doing, but this mm. this has very much hit a lot of people in ways that they've been able to do nothing at all. Um yeah. and it's it's just so bizarre for the arts to essentially come grinding to to almost a stop I mean obviously the arts is very good at adapting to things and we've seen a lot of adaption and we've seen a lot of things like the online theatre and the digital streaming and I think there's some interesting stuff come out there's a a, I don't know if you've seen this it's a, a digital play called The Haunting of Alice Bowles um, I think I've
2: heard of it. I've not seen it, but I think I've heard of it.
1: It was done really, really well. It was everyone was filmed separately with green screen setups, and um, yeah, you know, it was done. I think via Zoom or it was done in some sort of setup like Zoom. And it was a really innovative and creative little piece. Um, and I'm just wondering what type of things might we see re- retained after lockdown. Is
2: there anything you would like to see continuing after lockdown? yeah you know we have we um with can you catch the killer we've done some digital murder mysteries we did some uh, for various different sizes as well we've done digital murder mysteries for groups of 10 people and we did one for um gosh where was it the other uh, national galleries uh, of scotland and they had all of their staff there It's hundreds of people i think we had 700 people wow. <laughs> on a, it wasn't zoom actually it was teams and uh and and we just performed for them over Zoom and we could well teams, we could perform to this many people because we were doing it digitally and they didn't all have to be in one room and and they could be from all over Scotland. And actually it's really nice to be able to do a merger mystery, finish the gig and be in your house. <laughs> and just mm. be like, Cool, I've I've got a two-hour drive home and just take the costume out, off and chill out, you know. Um, and I think there's value in that because at the moment our reach for Our performances and our touring work is mainland scotland Mm -hmm. or if we if we can afford the accommodation uh with the deal that we strike up with the people then possibly scottish islands but north of england's a maybe but there's no way we're getting to london you know um it costs too much to stay there we wouldn't make any profit but with um with digital work we can do that i think the um i think the incredible thing about the digital work is how quickly it became unequal again because, for a moment, there when everyone was doing digital work, everyone was on the same level, and suddenly all of these people that couldn't get into big name theaters and stuff like that for whatever reason could have their content seen just as easily as the national theater or something like that. Yeah, but then rapidly, these big name places flooded the market with their highly produced and, and well-budgeted content to the extent that that people once again were smothered by it and they, and they couldn't get their, their original content out because stuff from the big name producers is considered to be more legitimate in some way. So uh, for a little while there, we had a meritocracy And then sadly, sort of crumbled away again. And obviously the big name theatres need to be making money and they have staff to retain and they have actors to pay and stuff like that. And that's all brilliant. But I really liked that for a little while there, everyone was on the same starting par. uh, And and that was nice. And I think if we could move back towards that, sort of like how the Fringe used to be, where people Mm. would see things based on what caught their eye and what they fancied, um, rather than the things that could pump the most money into Facebook advertising or or what have you, you know?
1: Yeah, there's um, um, an organization that I I usually work with during the Fringe, and it's one of the three organizations, and they've kind of said that, you know, you can do whatever advertising you like, but we, we do like to try and keep things as equal as possible. So, you know, do you really need to get that huge billboard? Um, you know, let's all try and go into this in a communal way. Um And, you know, the the fringe is interesting because if you've got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money that you can risk losing, then, yeah, you can get big theatres and lots of bums on seats and stuff like that. And, you know, you can afford to give away lots and lots of comps as well to be able to say, hey, we've got a full house um, and still be able to pay everyone. Um, But there is something really, really quite nice about that grassroots, equal footing. And I think. I think a lot of the free organizations kind of manage that in ways that not necessarily some of the larger ones do because kind of everyone's going into it with right. Well, this is the venue you get. Oh, but where's our lighting tech? Where's our lighting rig? Where's this? Where's our front of house? It's like your front of house is you if you've got time to get on before you do your show. Your lighting tech is whoever you manage to, to get to do your lighting tech. Um, or what about lights? Oh, B and M, they sell they sell desk lamps, go and get a load of those. And it's like it's 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 really in bare bones and yes some of the venues are have got lighting set up and stuff but uh it's it's really kind of basic bare bones but in such a way that allows for everyone to feel like they're on the same And you have people like phil jupitus and eddie is doing kind of either full shows or guest slots with with some of the free organizations and it's quite nice to see that equal level that you know, people like, um, Phil Jupiters, he's like on the same level as, as everybody else. And Eddie Izzard, she's on the same level as everyone else. And it's like, it's just wonderful to see that. And it's, I think what you said about the equal level of when everyone started doing digital, it's just, yeah, it was really nice to see that and really nice to kind of see what everyone was doing. And, you know, you must've seen as well on your, on kind of like your social media feeds of lots of people going, oh, well, I'm, I'm kind of going to try doing this. I'm going to try doing that. And it's, really nice to see that creativity that spark that the arts just manages to really grab onto
2: yeah absolutely when you get a bunch of creative people stuck in their houses with nothing to do they're going to make something and that's that was beautiful it was it was so nice to see everyone on on whatever social media because that's how we all keep in touch these days just making things and and some of it was fantastic and magical and some of it was garbage but at least they were trying and it felt like the fringe on Facebook you know Uh, and and it feels like it's died down a little bit and now the only people that still remain are the people that have the budget to navigate Facebook's ridiculous system of smothering pages unless they pay for boosting oh and that's all that's left now
1: you know yeah we we kind of noticed that
2: during the horror festival that we we actually did better with youtube than
1: we did with with facebook um mm. that we actually discovered that uh I, I think once we'd broken it all down facebook was only allowing us to reach about 10 percent of our pages followers yeah and it's like, that's ridiculous like as far as we were 90 percent of our, our followers might not even have been aware there's a horror festival on and like that's that's a problem that allows that kind of stranglehold that only the the super wealthy can get away with, and I mean, I'm sure we could kind of both rabbit on and complain about the the uneven playing field that the arts has um, uh, a lot of the time. But it has been nice to see that even playing field make something of a resurgence during lockdown. And yeah, I agree. I think seeing that going forward would be really nice. Um, on that kind of point of going forward, when do you think when do you think we'll start to see opening up a bit more when do you think we'll start to see things
2: beginning to crawl back and when do you think we'll finally be back to normal um i have my hopes so i know that uh i know that Creative scotland have opened up their touring fund for shows touring in spring and i think that that is ambitious yeah definitely um i don't i don't think it will be safe to tour shows in in spring unless of course somehow we're bringing some sort of perspect screen, and we're going to separate the audience from the performers and stuff like that. I, I don't think it'll happen, um, but hopefully, given that people have started to get the vaccine, and hopefully it'll it'll turn out it to be as effective as they believe it to be, mm-hmm. and maybe things can start opening up with with tight restrictions by hopefully before the fringe. And uh, I'd very much like it if if we could be back to normal. Um, or back to the bits we want to retain of normal um, by by panto time. Um, and I think maybe I'm being a little bit more pessimistic than some people, but I would I would lo- I'd be happy if we can get back to normal by December. I would hope for September, and, uh, and best-case scenario, I think, is August. I, I think I kind of agree with you on that. Um, I'm
1: thinking the first big, large-scale things we're going to see is going to be panto, which... Mm. There's something very British about that, isn't there? That the first big thing we get is going to be pantomime. There's something quite nice yeah. about that. Um, I'm, I'm like you, know, I'm kind of optimistic um, that it will happen. Uh, not, not as soon as some people are hoping. I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, the well, Fringe will go ahead as normal. And I'm very, very unsure that that's going to happen. I, I, think, we might, I think we might see a lot of outdoor stuff because we were mm. very close to that last year uh i I don't think we're going to be getting into venues because a lot of venues are going to require distancing to be dropped in order to make it worth their while to open and i don't think we're going to see drop distancing for a while but i'm i'm very hopeful that by autumn early winter we'll start to see things it'd be very nice to do a physical horror festival this year in october Mm. um but that all said it's we can never know these things for sure and you know super covid may hit in august (laughs) On On the 17th at Uh (laughs) (laughs)
0: 2.30.
2: Yeah, it could very well. Um, I I think the other thing about the Fringe is that it's so international. It's like a truly international festival and people come from all over the world, which is usually wonderful. But in the current circumstances is sort of a disaster. Uh, So it would have to be, it would almost have to be that COVID would have to be under control, not just here, but everywhere um, for it to happen as normal. And I, I think as
1: well, the Scottish government are going to be a little bit more cautious because even if if Westminster says, yep, yeah, you can open up and do theatre show, shows from June, everything will be fine. I think the Scottish government is still going to take the position of, yeah, we don't want 5 million people descending on what is a very small city for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of feel that whatever restrictions are or aren't are lifted, I think the Scottish government are going to be a little bit cautious about letting the festivals happen in August yeah um, I I think we will probably see something. Like I say, I think there's a realistic chance of outdoor stuff. Um and I, I, I'm certainly looking into things that could be done outdoors. Um and I think that's something that could happen in August. But again, it might not. And I'm hopeful for October. I'm hopeful for October, and I think we're gonna we could see the best, pan- we could see a massive, massive global resurgence of Panto. Uh, <laughs> like this, this, this thing just takes over the entire um, world. My, my wife's American and the idea of Panto just confuses her. And I'm so desperate to take her to go and see a pantomime because she will love it.
2: She hasn't seen one. Oh, she my goodness. She hasn't
1: seen one. No, it's brilliant. The, one of the very, very first non-school performances I did it was an Amdram group. And they did Babes in the Wood, and it was glorious. um And it's just so much fun. And it would be nice. That would be a nice way to kind of end this whole situation of, right, we're going to go out to the theater, and there's going to be sweets, and there's going to be dames, and there's going to be songs, and there's going to be dancing, and there's going to be innuendos, and there's going to be all of this. Yeah. That would be kind of nice. Nicer than, Lovely. yeah, nicer than kind of getting to, right, now it's March 2021. Now you can do something. It's like, oh, well. Okay,
2: thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing to do in March. Yeah, oh, one of my I've trained with a guy from um, LA, and uh he um, he's a good friend of mine. He came to see me in a panto, and he'd never seen a panto before, and it was funny because he was near the front, and I could see him, and for the first like ten minutes, he looked not just confused but scared. You know, like he was like, "What is happening? How, who gave the audience a script? What's going on here?" But then um. Then after he figured out what was happening, it's almost like your stereotypical American mentality is designed for Panto. You could hear him above everyone. He, he was shouting out so loud. He was really getting into it. Like he had no inhibitions about cheering and whooping. So uh, so I think um, I think I think Panto It's strange. It's not in America because actually I think they'd love it.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they'd absolutely go go for it it's it's something like you say it does grab onto that american mentality of you know wanting to be big and loud and it's i'm i'm very much looking forward to Teresa seeing panto because i think yeah for the first 10 minutes she's going to be confused and a little bit scared which is the best way to experience panto for the first time <laughs> yeah. and i think she will absolutely get into it and she will leave there insisting we have to do one um, <laughs> which i think i horror think... panto a horror uh, panto, yeah. We we actually one year or two years we actually did have someone do a kind a of small scale horror panto at the horror festival. So I think there's definitely scope there for it. I think we need to make the Halloween panto a thing. Yeah, it's like definitely you go you go from the Halloween panto. It's like right, we're going to take a couple of days off and then start the Christmas one. <laughs> um, it's like panto just all year round. That's that's yeah. what the arts world is going to be like after pan- after COVID. It's just going to be
2: wall to wall pantos. I so can get on board with that. I can get on board with do you that know, as well. To, to segue a little bit, do you know what I really want to see in panto? I want to see more female dames. I want to see dames played by people who represent as women. Like I feel like the joke of a man in a dress is becoming a little bit not okay. I would rather see a woman playing the dame uh, or someone who represents as female playing the dame than I would an old guy making fun of women in a dress, you know, like that's a change I want to see.
1: Yeah. I would be very interested to see exactly the same thing. And, you know, it's wonderful, uh, some wonderful male dames out there. Absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it would be very nice to see that because, You know, we are in a changing society and attitudes and views, they change. And I think that's a good thing. We leave behind certain things. We keep on with certain things. And, you know, I think things like the Panto Dame will probably still stay around for a while because a lot of the time that's done in in good humor. But I do agree that it is something that would be nice to see change because also the Dame is a wonderful role. The Dame, if anything, is the pivotal central role in a panto. It's the one role that everyone kind of wants to do and it would be yeah i think opening that up a little bit more um doesn't hurt it because it's panto like Definitely. They, like that's it like of all of the art forms out there where you can kind of go yeah legitimately anyone can play this role panto is one of them because panto is just so throw anything at the walls see what sticks and if Definitely. it doesn't stick let's just try it again anyway
2: <laughs> yeah 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 if it doesn't stick that's all right because the audience will enjoy it from being bad Yeah, exactly <laughs> Everybody just loves mistakes in panto um and yes there are some fantastic male dames and I, I dare like i'm not i'm not being down on them at all and i don't think they have any sinister intent mm. in being so fantastic uh, and and yeah there are some great male dames but it, you're right it is one of the best parts in panto and it's a female part and it's a bit of a shame that this incredible female part is always played by males so yeah, yeah yeah would i would love to see that maybe
1: that's something for for 2021 or 2022 that say a female dame panto would be yeah. really good hell if jim Davidson can do pantomimes then there's there's scope for anyone to be able to do anything in panto really um definitely yeah um so i think that kind of more or less brings us nicely nicely to an end there um do you have anything you want to kind of mention to promote while, whilst we're just here closing up?
2: Sure do. Um, uh-huh. There's an isolated incident. So an isolated incident is my big uh, project just now. It's Creative Scotland, one that I was uh, talking about that will be going out on my personal social media pages over February and March. Um, So uh, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. You can't watch them on Twitter because Twitter doesn't let you upload videos that long, but you can watch them on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, it's got some really, really talented performers performing scripts that I've written for them and it's about loneliness and the impact of loneliness and I think it's really I think it's really important and we've also connected with um, a domestic abuse charity Mm -hmm. because one of the one of the um, one of the episodes is about being locked down with an abusive partner and um, yeah I I think that if it reaches people that it needs to reach then I'll feel I'll feel that we've achieved something important with that. So the big thing is an isolated incident, but I should also mention um pit lockeries. Uh... Winter Ensemble, it's the first ever Winter Ensemble Pit Lockery Festival Theatre has ever had. I'm in that, and I think it's going to be really good. And uh, Lost at Christmas, the feature film I was in, uh, is still doing the rounds. I think it might even still be in some some cinemas, because who cares about whether it's Christmas or not when it's in the middle of a pandemic? So uh, Lost at Christmas, if it's not in cinemas, you can get it on Amazon Prime and a slew of other video-on-demand services. And um, that's all I've got to pitch at the moment. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, Kenny Boyle, thank you very much. And fingers crossed for going forward that we finally get back on stage soon. Yep, fingers crossed. Thank you.
2: Yes,
1: bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to The Arts vs. the Virus. Your host was Ash Price. The podcast was produced by Teresa Dua through Noisy Ghost Entertainment. Find The Arts vs. the Virus on Facebook. The music used was What is Love by Kevin McLeod. From a competech.filmusic.io forward slash song forward slash 5015 hyphen. What hyphen is hyphen love used under a Creative Commons license.